Our New Testament lessons come from both Galatians chapter 5, where we have been studying the famous fruit of the Spirit in this sermon series, as well as our main text from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So let's continue to hear God's word. First of all, from Galatians 5, Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then our main text for the day from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul writes, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Verse 4, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Verse 10, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes when things happen in the world and then we use certain words in church, it always generates at least an internal chuckle, if not an outward chuckle. Uh, Ever since the Donald Trump era, whenever we sing, the Trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, everyone kind of goes, Trump. And then here, I couldn't help but laugh in verse five. Uh, We never put on a mask Um, when we were among you. And here I am, unmasked before you this morning to speak of the gentleness that the Spirit of God wants to birth in each of us. First, we need to think about what is maybe not the fake fruit of gentleness, but what kind of is like gentleness, but not quite enough. Brene Brown 
is a wonderful writer and researcher, and she has a wonderful little saying when it comes to interacting with people, especially people that you are trying to lead. She says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. In other words, if you're being crystal clear, even if you're correcting someone or you're giving somebody a tough assignment, you're doing a great kindness to them by making things very clear. They don't have to guess what it is that you're saying. My boss in Korea at our international school frequently explained and clarified to our 100-member international multicultural staff that there were three kinds of things that he might tell us as headmaster about some aspect of our work. He said, sometimes he gives ideas, sometimes he gives suggestions, and sometimes he gives directives. Ideas are just ideas. Suggestions carry a little bit more weight, right? And directives are like orders. You gotta do this, I expect you to do it. It was so good of him to be clear and clear is kind. But here's the thing though, much of the time our lives consist not in these kind of formal professional situations where there's organizational charts and chains of command. There are some days actually when I think that my work as a pastor is a little funny because the church that I lead is full of volunteers of course. All of the work pretty much of a church is done by volunteers. And so I can have the fancy title of senior pastor, for example, but of course I can't fire any one of you, right? You all can quit, but I can't fire you. Uh, in fact, maybe you can fire me, but I can't fire you. And actually the real work of a church, like with any community, happens not when a team is trying to organize itself to do a specific task, the real work of a church happens ultimately when a sister or brother is having a sisterly or brotherly conversation with you and you are both trying together to encourage one another to grow in God's grace. That's when the real magic of church life happens. The Spirit's fruit of gentleness is different from the kind of clarity that helps so much in the workplace. And in fact, even in a place of work, Someone goes from being a good leader or a decent, kind boss to being something like a, a mentor to you, right? When they be, go beyond the mere kind clarity and they demonstrate what toward you? Where they demonstrate gentleness toward you. Kind clarity can smooth out your work but gentleness can change your heart and ultimately change your life. But like we said a few weeks ago, a lot of us religious folks, we can develop a sort of niceness that turns out to be really different than the fruits of kindness or this week, gentleness. After all, like we've said, since a religious community is a voluntary association, you can't go around, none of us can, bossing other people around. You can't really direct people to do things. And so you have to learn a little bit of savvy, right? I'm still learning savvy. Uh, that quintessential American president, Teddy Roosevelt, 
used to say, speak softly and carry a big stick. (laughs) But church folks have to learn something different, right? Speak softly and carry a big hint, right? Folks learn to be indirect, but in some ways, sometimes just as assertive. Other times, we just avoid having tough conversations, conversations that might be necessary in the workplace, we'll utterly avoid in our church context because, well, we're trying to be nice and help other people experience niceness as well. And besides, most everyone is just a volunteer. You know, many people will leave a church without telling anyone that they're leaving. And all because they're frustrated, they are tired of just being nice and they don't have the emotional competence to have an honest conversation. And then a couple of years later, they'll leave their new church for the same reasons. This happens all the time. We need more than kind clarity. We definitely need more than mere niceness. Because we need more than just a smooth, productive workflow in our life together as a people. We need more than the appearance of a conflict-free zone among us. What we need, and what Paul prescribes us, is the Spirit's fruit of gentleness. What does gentleness look like? Jerry Bridges says that when someone is bearing the Spirit's fruit of gentleness, I love this, other people can be at ease around them. It's a lot of work emotionally, isn't it, to keep from getting emotional. When you're around people who are not safe, either because they're all business all the time or because they're superficially nice but not sincere, then your emotions are working overtime to keep from showing themselves. But when you're around someone whose life whose bearing and countenance exhibits the fruit of gentleness, then something amazing happens. You are at ease, even though your emotions are finally free to engage. You are safe even though your heart is exposed. You are able to be vulnerable and honest, even in the midst of a sincere conflict. Why? Because, as Billy Graham once said, a gentle person displays a sensitive regard for you and is careful never to be unfeeling toward you. The more that someone grows in grace and bears the Spirit's fruit, the less intimidating it is to be around them and to be spiritually and emotionally honest with them because they don't have any need to parade their supposed spiritual maturity around. They certainly don't have any need to make you feel less spiritual than they are. Being gentle is so much more than being well-mannered, although manners are important. There are a thousand ways to avoid giving offense, but not all of them lead people into a place where they can be honest about what they think, about where they are, about what they feel, and about where they hope to go from here. Being gentle is so much more than conveying 
accurate, clear information in a kind way. There are a thousand ways to teach people true things and lead an organization, but not all of them offer people a context in which they can stand in the world that God made and honestly address other people and even God with their discouragements and disappointments, with their sorrows and with their hopes. The difference is gentleness. In the ancient world, Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, was one of the few writers in that context who thought that gentleness was important. He, in fact, used the same word that is all over our Greek New Testaments for gentleness. But for Aristotle, gentleness was kind of a compromise. He recognized that over here, you've got explosive anger, and that's not healthy. Over here, you've kind of got ignoring bad things and injustices, and that's not healthy either. So what's right in the middle of like explosive anger and letting everything pass? His answer? Gentleness. Halfway between these vices is your virtue, he thought. That's better than nothing. Most of the ancient world, though, and especially the Greco-Roman world, at the time of Jesus and the Apostle Paul, really had no interest in the virtue of gentleness at all. The world was dominated, of course, by men, and boastfulness and brashness was considered normal and manly. Gentleness was maybe for women, maybe, but definitely not for men. It's almost like all the the men of the ancient world had grown up watching violent Western films or something like that, and they're just trying to be like all these tough guys. There was no clear-as-kind professionalism, there was no religious niceness, and there was certainly no gentleness. There was instead a hyper-masculine toughness, roughness, brashness, boastfulness. In other words, there was hardly a context in which people could be emotionally at ease at the same time as they were able to be emotionally vulnerable. There was hardly a safe place in the ancient world, therefore, in which to really grow, to become more deeply human. But Paul says the Spirit's fruit is gentleness. And into this brash, harsh, macho ancient world comes the Apostle Paul. And as we've read in our text, we see what gentleness is like in action. Now, this Paul is no wimp. He's ready to leave all of his social standing behind, to let go of all the prestige that he enjoyed as a religious leader, and he follows Jesus. He's ready to leave his familiar Jewish context, where he's made a name for himself, and to run all over the Greco-Roman world to announce to non-Jews that his Jewish Messiah was risen from the dead and was there to save them, too. And he's beaten and shipwrecked and mocked and ostracized, falsely accused and tried and chased out of town. And in fact, when he comes to this church at Thessalonica that he loves so much, he says, verse 2, he had just come from Philippi where they had chased him out of town violently. This fella is no wimp. And at the same time, 
Paul is ready to set off an unexpected revolution in the ancient world. Not only is he going to insist that women have full standing with men as citizens in the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus, but he's also going to embrace all of the essentially human virtues that we think of as stereotypically feminine. He says to the church in Thessalonica, verse 8, I've loved you. And you know how affectionately desirous I was of you. I didn't give you the good news only. I didn't preach at you. But I shared my very self with you along with the good news. This is just how dearly I treasured you. You see, a gentle person is not afraid to say and mean and live, I love you. And to give oneself to sisters and brothers, just like true siblings would. Because the Spirit convinces us that our elder brother, Jesus, was prepared because of his great love for us to say, I love you, with his very life. And once you're in the family by the Spirit, the Spirit makes you more and more like Jesus. Paul is getting there. And are you? Are we? And Paul, though he is tough as nails, he tells the church here at Thessalonica that his countenance and his posture, verse 7, was toward them like a gentle nursing mother. I think this might be one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Because as a man, you see, it liberates me to keep being as tough as I need to be while also being as tender as my wife was when she took each of our infant sons in her arms and fed them and nourished them and rocked them to sleep. See, the Spirit convinces men that they must and can be as gentle as this. And meanwhile, the Spirit teaches women that they can embrace this so-called feminine virtue even while they develop Christ-like toughness. And they can do this rather than trying to overcome these stereotypes. See, I want to be like nursing mother Paul when I grow up to be a real man. Trying to get on the way with the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. What about you? This is the Spirit's fruit. And then finally, even when Paul exhorted and challenged and charged the church, verse 11, to greater faith and greater faithfulness. He did so how? He did so, he says, as a loving father does, full of encouragement. You know that somebody has been gentle with you if they've challenged you and you go away feeling encouraged. Good dads are gentle, even when they're challenging their kid. The Heavenly Father is challenging us to greater gentleness today. And don't miss this. The Heavenly Father is challenging and encouraging us gently and with great encouragement. You know, you and I should develop the tools that will make us good team players so that we can get things done without 
ambiguousness, and all the rest. Learn to be clear. It's a good motto. Clear is kind. You and I should probably be known as nice people. But the Lord God wants more from us. The Father wants gentleness from his children. And you know what he did to make sure that we would get it? Well, he gave it. The Lord Jesus Christ is the very fatherly gentleness of our God in human flesh. The Lord Jesus is the big brotherly gentleness that looks out for our needs and keeps very aware all the time of our weakness and vulnerability. The Lord Jesus is the gentle welcome to come and to nurse, if you like, at the bosom of your creator. When we read that God so loved the world that he sent his son, and not to condemn the world, but to save the world, we are reading together the stunning story of the great gentleness of our infinitely powerful God. The gentleness of our powerful God. And that gentleness has come to us in person, in the Lord Jesus Christ, from the Father and by the Spirit. And gentleness is the fruit that the Spirit wants in us, that we might imitate the Son and glorify the Father in our attitudes, in our tones, in our words, and in our actions toward one another. Are you committed to bearing the fruit of gentleness? Well, you, you better be because the Spirit of God is committed to making it happen in you if you are in Christ. And it would be foolish to try to frustrate the Spirit of God as the Spirit works gentleness into your heart and out into your life. And wouldn't it be something if somebody, we just sang John Calvin's hymn, which reads, Thou, about Jesus, thou hast the true and perfect gentleness. No harshness hast thou, and no bitterness. Wouldn't it be something if by and by the Spirit so worked in our lives, convinced us of God's own gentleness in Christ towards us, that people said to us a few years from now, you know, it's just different being in your presence. I am at ease, and yet I feel challenged to be more human, more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself for us that this might be true in us. So let's give ourselves back to him and become the gentle people he's called us to be by his spirit. Father, may the words that I've spoken and may the meditations in all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. And we trust that you are redeeming us so as to bear the fruit of gentleness and more. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's respond to God's word. Let me invite you to stand. And uh, Shane is going to lead us in this hymn, Spirit. Spirit.